Well, there was a recent study regarding incentive bonuses paid to farmers who employed cover cropping on their farms. We find ourselves now with our elected officials squabbling over funding for programs or maybe not funding certain programs in the next farm bill. So, you know, with limited funds, they've been questioning paying incentives for cover cropping. Interesting to note that farmers have said getting an incentive bonus wouldn't change their mind either way. It says, if cover crops have value to my operation, I'm going to do it, you know, regardless. So as many of you know who attended this past week's Soil Health Field Day at the Remke Farm in Harlan, you know I moderated a panel of farmers who have embraced cover cropping practices on their farms. They told their stories, answered questions from the audience. And one of our cover cropping panelists who has been including cover cropping into his family farm is Nate Selking. And uh, Nate is a man of many talents. In addition to uh, being a farmer, he's also a certified crop advisor and he works for Williamson Crop Insurance. And he joins us now. Nate, you had some very valuable input for farmers at the Soil Health Field Day. Too many for us to uh, go into at the time that we've got available to us this morning. But, you know, for those that are considering the addition of cover cropping into their farming operations, what, in your view, are the, are the key bonuses to uh, including that in your conservation practices? You start out with most producers over the years have done tillage in some aspect. The goal of tillage is to put oxygen in the soil, reduce some compaction, try to enhance their soil to where it gives them the most productive crop they can. And the goal is to try to do the best we can with the resources we've been given. As you do cover crops, you can look at that as a biological type of tillage to where you're actually allowing those crops, those roots, even though you're not planning on harvesting them, in the springtime, they can actually help you out. They can provide some tillage benefits by penetrating through the soil, providing oxygen. Uh, As you terminate those, they can actually transfer into whereas those plants decay and the roots decay, provide nutrients for the cash crop that you're going to try to sell. And also throughout the wintertime, when you have those cover crops on your soil, If you've got cover out there, a lot of times when you get that January thaw, you're going to have the top one to three inches is pretty much slop with frozen ground underneath. Well, if you've got something growing on the soil, you can even help from erosion standpoints, from the standpoint of soil loss, uh, gullies, every farmer's aware of trying to repair gullies. And it doesn't completely mitigate or remove that aspect of spring management, but it mitigates it substantially. Uh, And that's part of the reason why we started down the path of cover crops. We used to be conventional tillage on our corn, uh, no-till beans for quite a few years. But when there's no cover from that bean stubble, or if we've worked it in the fall and there's nothing at all left as far as on top of the ground, that's when you can deal with some of those soil erosion components that you try to prevent. You want to maintain your resources that you've got to work with. And so cover crops have been a big benefit from that point. And that's probably where we started at on trying to implement them into our operation. As we've evolved in the system, that's when we've noticed some of the other inherent benefits that you hope to achieve, but you don't know when or how long it's going to take when you start down that process. <laughs> I'm chuckling because you don't know exactly when you're going to see that. And, and it seems like everybody's dirt is a little bit different, maybe even different on different farms that you're farming. And we talked about this the other day, and that is that, you know, this is not a panacea. This is not one thing that fixes everything. As you mentioned during the conversations, was another tool in the toolbox. But what are some of those benefits that you have uh, begun to notice as you've cover cropped over the years? We started no-tilling in 2007 for our corn. Uh, The reason we started doing that was we had a neighbor who had been no-tilling since the late 80s, early 90s. So we had a relationship sharing some equipment. We would harvest for him and he would spray for us. 
and his yields were as good as ours. And he was not putting the amount of capital, the amount of work into after soybean harvest, run the chisel plower ripper across the ground, then work it down after that, whether it be stale seed, better work it in the spring. So there was those inherent benefits of not having to spend that much time hire somebody to run a ripper in the fall or dedicate somebody to work extra hours late at night to try and get all of that done. And as we started going down the process with the cover crops, um, he had not really spent much time doing the cover crops yet, but he had shared some nuggets pertaining to, okay, you know, you're going to have to do something probably inline rip or do something on your ends do different things to help alleviate that transition. And so that's when we started looking at, hey, can we use cover crops as that biological tillage? Hmm. It's going to remove some of that compaction that's going to help us out in that transition. There's multiple products that you can look at that you can use. The biggest challenge is finding out what works in your system as a producer to decide, okay, this is our goal with this cover crop. Will it help us? And and there's many professionals out there that any farmer can talk to as far as uh, seed salesmen for cover crops to help them go through that. Uh, we've used Daniel Rye because it has a deeper root mass. Uh, it's a fibrous root mass to where it would hold the ground, prevent erosion. And also with that root being a, a, a deeper root mass would help out alleviate some of that potential compaction you pick up as you go through a transition. Yeah. As we've gone through that process, what we've what we've learned is that it's as those roots grow through that soil, they open that up. Um, you know, I can go through countless examples, but but based on time, there's inherent things that you notice over time where you're like, wow, okay, there's there's a tile in that part of the field we didn't even know was there because our roots have opened that ground up to where the tile is now starting to drain. Some of those <laughs> odd ends that you pick up that nice benefit that. Uh, it is. And, you know, it's one of those where you rely on. So so dad was like, boy, I didn't even know there was a tile that ran through there. And it was an older clay tile. It is what it is. But but if, you know, somebody that had been farming the ground for probably 35 years before that time didn't even know there was one there, that means the ground was sealed off. It, 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 the water wasn't getting down to it. Uh, we didn't know it was there. Those are some of the benefits or little intricacies that we've picked up, but it also is part of a justification to see that, yeah, this, those roots are opening up that ground. We're allowing mm. the water to infiltrate into it. Yeah, um, yeah. Those are some of the early things that you start to notice. And then over time, there's, there's some really special components that we've seen over time to where um, for where we farm at in, in Northern Adams, Southern Allen, and it's, and it's pretty characteristic around Wobo's listening area, but a fair amount of clay in our soils. And, and uh, most of those clays tend to be higher in, in magnesium, makes the ground tighter. And, and I don't know, it's, it's kind of new. It's something that we're learning, but our magnesium levels, when we pulled soil samples here the last two times, have really started to taper off and not to get too deep in the weeds, but as you can reduce that magnesium level, your ground, it's another metric to look at and see that your ground is starting to open up, allow infiltration. As that oxygen becomes more available, you're going to mineralize more nutrients. And it's part of a complete process and, and that you alluded to it earlier, but I agree with it's not just you snap your finger and ta-da, you've got the magic wand. It, it takes some time, but it's been so fascinating to go through that process and watch it over the last 12 years or so. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, we could talk for another hour and uh, probably still not touch on uh, a lot of the stuff. You also hit on another point there, and that is is that there are a lot of guys around the area, a number of people who are more than willing to share their knowledge and their experience like we did at the Soil Health Field Day at the Remke Farm. 
Nate Selking, Certified Crop Advisor, works with the guys there at Williamson Insurance, and most of them more than happy to share their information. Nate Selking, thanks so much for joining me this morning. Sure appreciate it. Podcasts by Federated Media.